Welcome to the Still Telling It Like It Is program with Apostle Baker J. Baker, who is a doctor in psychology. And I have my friend, I have my my protege, I have my, uh, I mean, at any rate, it varies a lot of things to me. <laughs> Apostle Barry Cook, who just uh, has history and stuff. And I, I just, I, you know, I joke with him about, okay, I get to wind you up and then just let you go because there's so much in him. So push the share button, share it with people, call people, text them, do whatever it is that you have to do to let them know that we are on still telling it like it is. This is an educational program and we're here to provoke you to Think about how you think about the word of God, how you think about women in ministry, uh, women and men, and all of these things, the kingdom of God. So come on, Barry, and uh, uh, join us here. Here we well, go. Praise the Lord once again. It's great to be with you, Dr. Baker. Thank you so much for the invitation to be able to spend a few moments in time talking about um, some great mysteries. Hallelujah. <laughs> And kind of kind of beating these um, sacred cows up. Hopefully we can. This is in India. We cook our cows and eat them. Hallelujah. So anyway, we want to we want to kick them over. We'll have a very big, nice one tomorrow. I've already taken it out. It's nice and it's it's yeah, it's a real meat. Yeah. You're getting it ready. Yeah. Good. Good. Well, we've been talking about in Timothy in Second Timothy and First Timothy chapter two specifically where Paul is, uh, verses 11, 15 through 15, where Paul is dealing with um, women in the church again. And as we've continued down this series, and we were talking a little bit about the calling that Paul um, had and, and that he was pressing forward and, and the results that he had in Acts chapter 19, kind of given a history around what Paul was dealing with in that city um, um, spiritually. And, and we're talking about how phrases in um, in the, the scriptures in Acts 19, talking about the whole city is given unto sorcery. The whole city is given under to witchcraft. That's a pretty heavy statement. Um, and we were I was discussing the fact that we feel like a little bit of opposition, you know, or, you know, if we see, I, I know the first time that people visit Hollywood, <laughs> I'll just say this, because I know from living there for so long, people, I got to go see Hollywood. The main thing they would talk about was the billboards with uh, naked people. They're like, I've never seen in public like a naked person on a billboard. Like, what the heck? They're all over. And, you know, and, and, and it's such a big deal to them that it's, it's, it's there. Now, people living around, it's normal. They see it. That's mild compared to other things. The point is, we feel like that penetrating up above the norm is such a big deal that a lot of times we overlook what they were dealing with in the scriptures. Paul here, the whole city is given over to it. So when they're coming in preaching opposite, they're talking about these things are wrong. Christ is the answer. This is why. This is idolatry. It's against God. I mean, they're coming at this stuff. They didn't bow their knee. They didn't avoid talking about it. They didn't just say, well, we're going to have another prophetic com uh, conference and not talk about it, you know, because they understood if they were to do that, what a stupid mockery that would be of the prophetic for them to even say something that dumb and not deal with stuff in their own city prophetically. Yeah. Touche. Anyway, um, for whatever that's worth, for all those prophetic <laughs> ministries out there. But 
Remember that Timothy was at Ephesus. Now, this should connect us with the truth of Ephesus, where Paul was writing to, to uh, in Timothy. He was writing to Timothy about the situation he had left him to pastor after the great revival in Ephesus, which is, you know, it's a lot to say. I'm just trying to move it in a very small package. But in that epistle, uh, Paul gave the revelation in Ephesians uh, in the, in the uh, Ephesians epistle uh, of the great mystery, the marriage of Christ to the church, Ephesians 5. And this is something, you know, we keep bouncing over on multiple of these programs. And that is the creation of the redemptive motive is woven throughout that passage. And that's where we always use, matter of fact, I'm preparing a wedding ceremony this week, and I'm, of course, making reference to some things out of Ephesians chapter 5, and I'm always reminded, don't think about the fact that Paul said this has nothing to do with, with marriage. It has to do with Christ and the church, and I have to dismiss that out of my head, but most people, when you say that, it goes right past them. It's like, that's not talking about marriage, you know, huh? No, I'm talking about Ephesians 5, where he's talking about marriage. Yeah, that's not about marriage. No, no, I'm, yeah, it is. I'm, I'm telling you, it's right. Okay, go down to the you know the verse thirty-two or thirty-three, whatever it is, and read. What does it say? I'm not talking about marriage, but Christ. Is, oh, oh. Well, anyway, this is the marriage. I'm like, they're just so used to seeing it one way, and and that opens up a whole other thing because that's obviously not casual church attendance. If you break that back down, and and then you want to call your pastor controlling. When it's his job, it's the church's job to 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 wash you by the word and to give account for you and and all of that. But then there's nourishing and cherishing and there's that kind of stuff in there too. All of those are components to what it means to be part of Christ's church. It's not just a social choice we make to, you know, I think I'll go here and I don't like that, but I don't want nobody talking to me. And that's that has nothing to do with what the church was meant to be. So the husband and the wife are seen in this human marriage, and, and, and they're woven throughout the divine marriage of Christ and his church because it's a great mystery. It's a parallel how these two work together, which means, I mean, even the ceremony that we do, to uh, is do we have to do that legally? Not in a lot of states you don't have to, but yet we still do it because we put an emphasis and a focus on this event, and that's why people say, well, we don't have to have church membership. I understand, but that's we're not magnifying. We're just saying this is a big deal to these people. They want to they want to be right. They don't want to just, yeah, I'm going to go over there. I go over there. No, it's it was a big deal. It was somebody that was saying, me and my family, we're going to live here. We're going to connect. We're going to be a part of this, you know, and I have a responsibility to you, and you have one towards me, and and let's do this. Let's make this work. So, you know, this is this is Paul's dealing with all of this. So the references to marriage, to husbands and to wives and Ephesus and Timothy are linked in this way. The historical setting of the cult of Diana and Ephesus helps us understand this controversial passage. I know it took a minute to get to that statement, but I I, I, in the past, like I said, I make quick statements and people are like, I don't understand what you're talking about. So I'm really trying to keep it um, didactic in nature, you know. But but before really looking at that packet, passage, you know, there's a great, there's a great, I'm going to read this little thing by this guy named Lanny Hubbard. 
that wrote a great book called The Ordination of Women. And, and he says, Paul wrote the epistle to Timothy, who is the bishop of the church in the city of Ephesus. The city was the largest, most influential city in all of Asia Minor. Paul saw that a strong church in this location was critical to the gospel penetrating the whole region. This is why he personally spent two years there getting everything off to a good start. The book of Acts records the events of this ministry there. It was highlighted by great demonstrations of power and by great resistance from some of the local people. The city was affected by several things that greatly influenced that society as well as the new church. First, there was a presence of many cultic beliefs and practices that were now integrated into the church. So this gave rise to many false teachings that affected the way that people thought, and those uh, often came into direct conflict with the teachings of the church. The nature of these false teachers not only adulterated the truth of the gospel, but they allured people back from Christianity to their old pagan ways. Now, why this is important is because when you understand, and I'm going to talk about this just for a second. So Diana, not only did the religion of that time was sustained, understand the region of that time was sustained by the religion of Diana. The region, I'm going to say it again, Ephesus, before Paul came into town, the economy was sustained by the temple of Diana. She was she was the governing church, as we say. I mean, her other people might have existed, but she was the big dog there. You know, she ruled. She had more effect over people and everything else. Her beliefs, Diana was believed to be the creator of life. She was a fertility figure that was responsible for the creation of mankind. Therefore, all men owned their existence, owed their existence to her and came out of her. And this was the belief in Ephesus. So this places a female as the origin for men, okay? This was the teaching. So this is what he, I understand. Why am I saying all this? Because people are going to run around quoting that scripture as to why women can't speak in the church. And it's ludicrous. I mean, every other place he's encouraging women what to do, but then we don't take the time to learn. And a lot of people say, I don't need to hear all that. Okay, well then quit saying that women don't can't teach. Because that's not what it, the scriptures say. She was, it was, she believed that, uh, Diana believed that she was a source of all wisdom and knowledge. So truth was going to come from, from them. Understand when Paul went in there preaching against this stuff, he had a huge task before him. I mean, how many people do we hear say today, you know, well, I, they just didn't receive me there? Well, like I said, Paul's first and second ministry trips, missionary trips, he wasn't received there. I mean, he had a tough time. Alexander Coppersmith turned the city on him. Another time, it says the whole city turned against him. Not one stood with me. What did he do? A year later, he comes back again with another team and hit it again. And this time, he got a breakthrough. You know, uh, that's the difference, too. It's like, God, that's why I say about callings. That's why I left off on the last one on callings. When it's in your call to do something like that, you can't stop. You can't quit. And if you do for a period, it's like Jeremiah said, it's like fire shut up in my bone. It's gonna, it's not gonna go quiet because you'll stand before God one day and God will question you. 
not on how great you were, but on whether you were obedient to what he told you to do or not. And we have a choice. When a, when a calling comes to us, we have a choice. We can say yes, or we can say no. Um, and I don't think that God holds it against us. I don't. Because he says there's many called if you're chosen. I mean, it's, it's something you're, he knows we have to step up and receive something. So all this stuff about people just don't receive me and they don't understand me and they don't know. Welcome to the ministry. Yeah, but they went over there and they, you know, they received and they did all this or this. I mean, I can't explain your calling. Mean, he, when he called Paul, all he told him is all the things he was going to suffer. That's it. He gave him no great glorious promises. He just said, let me tell you all the things you're going to suffer for my name's sake. <laughs> and then Paul, every time Paul repeated his testimony, he went back through the story. And the Lord told me how many things I would suffer for his name's sake. <laughs> He's like, that was his calling. I mean, can you imagine that today? People, oh, you're not in faith. You know, oh, that's not faith. I mean, he's like, look, I know what I got to deal with. You know, he knew he was going to have to wrestle with this stuff. He's wrestling with doctrines that were contrary. And they put women in a different place. And he's trying to preach a new level of equality. He's trying to bring the women up in their levels of education where they can hear, they can understand, they can draw. At the same time, he's already got women in leadership all around the known world of that time. And even in that city, he had great women that rose up, you know, to be used of the Lord. But he was dealing with issues there. And and, and understand that she was a, a one of the chief Gnostic, what are called Gnostic belief teachers of the time, that placed Eve as the hero of the narrative of the Garden of Eden, which you know, um, you know that whole thing gets into in, into a whole other side and many many perspectives on that. But the bottom line is, according to their teaching, Adam was deceived; he ate the forbidden fruit. It was not the fault of the woman. She was innocent. She didn't want to do it. Adam made her do it. I mean, it's it's just different, you know. It was, so she was innocent. He was guilty. She was forced by the man, and that's why women shouldn't submit to men. That's their teaching, and it's still written. You can read that stuff. You're like, wow, that was yeah. Now think about that scripture. Paul's like, you can't just usurp your authority because you're a woman. Nor can a man do it just because he's a man. I mean, he's trying to say, either one of you, there's got to be a divine order to stuff. And, and so the presence of a female deity as the leading God of the region demonstrate the place that that gender had in society. The fact that the leading God was female showed a very high social status for females in that culture. So their, their, their sentence there that normally in other places were predominantly run by men. Now they're changing over and be being run um, uh, by women, you know. So the pres the fact that the leading God of this female brought that social status into a different place. It shows that women greatly influence commerce, which again, this is it's funny that so many places in history where women were left. And, uh, and men were gone or men all went to war. And there, there's there's so many stories in these in histories where the, the women were back, the men go to war, and no men came back. And the women grew thriving, thriving groups. And, and it's so funny because 
they welcome men in and married and all that kind of stuff. And, and then eventually the men would take back over after they became strong enough and run it in the ground again. And um, so again, I, I believe God's it's a picture firmly of why God wanted men and women to rule. You know, there was, there, there's, there's insights, perspectives that are unique to both parties and um, and they have value, and they both accomplish the whole, which is another example for his pattern for the body of Christ. Even how ministers come together and regionally, and 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 ministers work together in different types and different functions. Though we're not the same, we have the self same spirit. We're working towards the same mission. Although you might be low keyed and and teach really, you know, uh, uh, succinctly, and another person might be real you know, motivational and energetic, and another person may be really, rah, and another person may be just really crying the whole time. Each one of them brings another component to the whole. This is why uh, today's people who are so pathetic trying to make these man-structured speakers and presentations out of everything, and then we wonder, we have great services, so the measurement has become money instead of of life's change. Uh, you know, it's become money. And so what's our excuse for not producing life changes? We had a fantastic meeting, a fantastic conference. Okay, you know, but how do we measure those things? You know, and, and I understand how we make excuses for measurement sometimes. Well, just one person is blessed. I'm just, that's just wonderful. That's great for small thinkers. Thank God Paul didn't think that way. You know, and that, and maybe that's your metron. Maybe you're a one-person metron. But I tell you, nothing drives me. I mean, I, I got to be careful in this because people really get uh, upset when I say some of these things. But, but I tell you what, I pastored, I started a bunch of churches. I, I, uh, some of them I shut down within two or three months. Why would you do that? It was only two or three months because you can tell real quick whether it's going to work or whether it isn't. And I'm not going to sit there and drag myself out with six people for 60 years. It ain't going to happen. And you say whatever you want to about me, but I say, if they're, there, they're over there, go find them and pastor them then. You know, I just wasn't for me. I'll find the place that is because I believe that there are certain callings and graces we have, and we can't measure ourselves by other people's because some people that's okay with. And there's other people that they won't, they want a thousand people, and honestly, they're never going to have over fifty because that's their metron, that's their grace, and they don't even handle fifty well. That fifty people stresses them out. You know, my God, I don't have any time. I can't even. We got fifty folks, but I don't have no time for nothing. Lord Jesus, you know, and I got an assistant pastor and a youth pastor and and a worship leader. I'm like, wow, you don't have to do none of that, like. You know, so what is it that's taking all your time? You can't ask questions like that now, though. People get upset. But, you know, women, see, the, the, the epistle to the Ephesians records that there was a group of very wealthy women in the church, too, which is fascinating. And these wealthy women apparently had great influence in the church. And they wore elaborate clothing to the services to show off their wealth and all of that. And Paul was trying to tell him, look, man, just, just don't, don't draw the attention. 
If Paul wasn't against stuff, I mean, Paul made it clear all over. He like, you want to drink wine? I don't care. Drink wine. You want to eat? Uh, you don't want to eat the meat sacrificed to idols? You don't have to. But I am. It don't bother me. I'm going to eat it. It's fine with me. Of course, they corrected him at the council later on, <laughs> which is funny. Sorry. But I'm just saying, you see, Paul was kind of back and forth with some of that stuff. Because he's like, I ain't scared of that. It's meat. I'm hungry. And I ain't afraid of it. I don't care who it was sacrificed to. It's sacrificed to Jesus once my hands get on it. You know, I like that kind of spirit a little better than the fear spirit, you know. Everybody run around afraid of everything. I mean, that there's some, I mean, the news, end time news, end time news every day. You know, did you read about the bombs? Did you read about the missiles any minute now? And I'm like, Lord, I am not living under that. I ain't living under I don't care if bombs are going off and I can hear them. I ain't living under that. I mean, well, well, how's that going to help me? You know, anyway, I felt the same way about COVID, but I ain't going to get on that either. So, you know, I'm like, die, then let me die. Lord Jesus. I mean, you know, I ain't locking myself up though. Whatever. Sorry. I know that gets me in trouble too. But, you know, they were allowed to function independently of men. They were encouraged to. Most of the businesses in Ephesus at this time were women owned. I mean, you can read the history of it and see there's actually logs of business owners you can go back and look at and a good three quarters of the business were owned by the women and the women were the tax collectors too so <laughs> that was because that's diana raised leaders obviously she wasn't moved by that so if a false religion can raise up women why can't a true anyway you know therefore you know, and they're thinking no man had authority over them. And simply because they were male. Funny. That's just the opposite of how we are now. You know, well, you can have authority, but not a woman. <laughs> she can't she can't have no authority over a man. But but what if she's just? Still doesn't matter. What if she's honest? Still doesn't matter. What if she's humble? Still doesn't matter. What if she's fair? Still doesn't matter. We'll still take the bozo over because he's a man. You know what? That's called stupid. That's just stupid. It's not even a good business move. It's not good wisdom. I mean, we got women out there running multi-million dollar companies, but we ain't going to let a woman pastor 50 people. Shut up. You know, so stupid, you know? Sorry. I just, it's just, whoop. It gives insanity. It's ignorance. You know, this produces social condition, a matriarchal type of, um, you know, society at that time in Ephesus. And, and so the wealth and authority rested in the hands of the women. So women were determined to so understand. So you're preaching that we need to take this back from the women. No, I'm talking about the text from Timothy where Paul is trying, he's not trying to take authority away from the women. This is the mindset and the condition of all of these new converts. And understand there was 30,000 people saved in one day from this. They didn't get a chance to warm up. They didn't get a chance to have Bible studies first and teach everyone protocol. <laughs> they had to start church and start services with all of this kind of folk. They had three or four workers on their team. That's it. And 30,000 unsaved people that are crazy with these mindsets coming in the church. So these are the types of situations Paul wrote those scriptures to 
about women in the church. <laughs> and, it, and this was the thing he was dealing with at this time. And this is why, in light of a historical context, we now hopefully, hopefully, are more clearly understand this these controversial subjects and passages of scripture, you know, and that that when we can we can understand that Paul was he didn't contradict himself, you know, he didn't go backwards on anything. Um, he preached in, you know, in one chapter about women when they speak, women when they prophesy, women when they do things. And then at the same time, he's trying to correct this abuse that was occurring in the church during that time. That's all he was doing. Women, preach. If you're called, you're called. Um, if men give you trouble, then they give you trouble. Um, you're still called and they can't stop you. Um, they can't. It, it, it is it is about your commitment that you make to your calling before God. And God knows the oppositions you're going to face. He knows the troubles you will face. He knows the, the people that will deny it. He knows he's still going to ask you um, to, 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 to walk with integrity and to walk with character, just like he did Paul when Paul gets beaten and shipwrecked and you know and he's in the, before the council he misspeaks before somebody's like okay I didn't know that's who you were I take that back I'm sorry I didn't mean to call you that I meant to call him that <laughs> I like Paul he was cool I love that that's a great story in the Bible it's like you know when you know when he's taught when he's when he's telling that in Acts and he says he's like they correct him and said you just spoke against you know the high priest and said I didn't know I didn't know that was you he said, well, then I address it to you guys. <laughs> I love him because he didn't let up. He wasn't a pushover. He understood that if his blood went in the ground, his blood would cry out. Um, you know, and we stand in this, in this day today, and bottom line is, if you're called, if you're anointed, if you're willing to be trained, if you're willing to, to pay the price, if you're willing to sacrifice for the call of God, you know, and, and I know guys who say, well, I've never made money in ministry. So, I mean, again, I love the old phrase the old guys used to say, if there was no pay in ministry, would you still preach? Um, honestly, I can say even now the guys I know personally, half of them, maybe, maybe half would still preach. And some of them are lucrative. I mean, people that are all over and got their name, but I know them well enough to know if it, if you took that away from them, they wouldn't care about it anymore. Their egos would be hurt too bad. Number one, because they'd be offended that you didn't want them. And then, you know, fine. If you don't want me, then I'll go over here. And I, you know, I'm not talking to y'all any, I'm not going to share what I got. And I got a prop. Anyway, I think we charge for way too many things we shouldn't be charging for. I know I, I know I start to get the metal and, and look, I, I like money just as well as anybody else. But we got one minute. <laughs> Jesus, I better shut up. Let me go with one thing. One of the things of it is is this, and I say speak this to women as well as anyone else. If you've been called into the ministry, if you have been called by God to do something, there are going to be roadblocks. There are going to be persecutions. There are going to be people that don't want you. Well, what does that have to do with your call? Mm -hmm. I would 
I mean, I know that I'm called. I would do this whether I make money or not, which I don't make money. I mean, you know, God has allowed me to be able to to do what it is that I need to do. But I'm going to do it anyway if there was no, no, no money in it. And 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 I told the people, I said, it looks like I'm, I'm, I'm paying to preach to you. Well, God is the one that supplies the money in the first place. He says the earth is his and everything in it. And as long as I seek the kingdom of God, everything I need is added to me anyway. So it does not matter. If people want to give, they give. If they don't, they don't. And we're still going to do what we're here to do because we're still here telling it like it is. And we will be back. And I pray that that guy's question was answered that he gave to Apostle Barry. If not, ask him again and he will re-answer it. So we thank you again and again. We'll be back next week when uh, the Apostle Barry, Apostle uh, Baker, uh, a baker, whatever. Anyway, uh, still telling it like it is. Thank you. And if you want to give, you have the information on the screen. Bye-bye.